X's and T podcast fans. I'm really excited to be back. I say that literally every single time because every episode, there is a purpose. Every episode, there is something new to share. I just wanted to thank everybody who has come back, everybody who has offered support, everybody who has just been so nice. Um, it's been a great journey so far getting to expose, you know, some of the toxic things that we've been to that we've been through. But today, you guys, I, I have another guest, which I'm so grateful for everybody who has shared the podcast, everybody who has reached out to want to share their stories. Um, and I think that it's sharing those stories that continue to help other people. So I have a guest with me today. And I'm, I'm actually really excited because the story that we get to share today, it is a heavy topic, but it, I think it's very important. And I think that one, I should probably add a trigger warning just at the beginning of the episode, because we do talk about, you know, toxic relationships, we talk about domestic violence, we talk about just some really heavy topics. Sometimes it's hard to know what you're getting yourself into. So that's what these episodes are about usually. But today we're back at it again with Worldwide Dream Builders, Amway, this uh, whole toxic world of MLMs. So let's give a quick disclaimer. I am not here to defame anybody. My guests do not come on here to defame anybody. We are here to share our stories, our opinions based on personal experiences. Do I have beef with Worldwide and Amway? Yeah, I do. I don't love that they co-sign each other and the toxic things that they do. I don't love the deception that comes behind the leadership. I don't like this large enterprise that is pretty much just taking advantage of people. However, that being said, that's a personal opinion. If you want to join these organizations, like have at it. I'm excited for you. Just, I would say proceed with caution, but take a listen to some of these stories because you might listen and, and you might have second thoughts. But I'm really glad to introduce, we have a new country, you guys. This is the third different country that we have gotten to speak with. And I'm so excited. I hope one day we're just kind of spread out everywhere. But I have today with us, Anna. She is from the UK and she got entangled into Worldwide. And I'm really excited. So thank you, Anna, for being here with us. No problem. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. So how, how did you find the X's and T podcast? So I actually found your podcast through one of your former podcast guests, Christina. Um, so I reached out to her when I was having a lot of doubts about Amway and Worldwide Dream Builders. And I was just wanting to obviously like find more answers about what I'd been going through. And I'd noticed that we'd both dated the same upline. Um, so I guess I was just in a really bad place in my life at the time. And my relationship with my upline was very toxic and abusive. It was just going like really downhill and I just needed some answers. So I actually reached out to her on Instagram and she got back to me almost like instantly. And we just started chatting and I just wanted to know what her experience was in with Amway and in her relationship. And um, she actually introduced me to your podcast and she sort of... Uh, sent me a link to her story I had listened to that and that sort of like really validated everything that I'd been through with my upline and and, and way and I guess it sort of inspired me to sort of reach out to you and to to want to share my perspective and, and my story about what happened and as well like I thought it might be quite good to sort of propose a different perspective as well as as to how I got into Amway particularly as I'm from the United Kingdom so that was another sort of incentive for me reaching out to you. Um, and then obviously, like after that, the weeks leading up to uh, this 
recording this podcast today I started listening to other people's experiences and that really helped me make sense of my my own experiences and I just sort of felt really compelled to to get my story out there and in in a sense to sort of help my own processing and empowerment but also to sort of be able to reach out and help others who may, may have been either in sort of a controlling or an abusive relationship or maybe reeled into a cult yeah which we love Christina for that. She was in talking to her too. She had a a connection with her upline that was a different perspective. And then to hear that you had also been connected with this same, I don't even want to call them unique, like this upline in particular, they're just, they're almost like, like, I think all of worldwide is evil, but they are a special kind, just the things that they do and the, the perspectives that I've heard from now two different people, it's evident that they have entangled themselves in other people's lives so much so that they have trauma. I mean, every, every upline does, but this one in particular, just this upline gets me. But I'm I'm so happy to have you here and, and to be able to help you process. And hopefully, you know, someone else will, I know for a fact, someone's going to listen to this and they're going to have so much from this. They're going to gain so much value. Um, so yeah, I, I do. I think you're right. It is an, uh, also an interesting perfect, or perspective that you're from the UK, which is not exactly where I would imagine Amway or Worldwide being appealing. And we've definitely had that conversation where there are those cultural differences that just are so different. I mean, Amway is the American way. And as a as an outsider, as somebody just kind of from the outside looking in at Amway and this lifestyle that they are projecting, is that something that would have appealed to you otherwise? Absolutely not. No, it was never something that I would have envisioned myself getting into in the first place like I feel like my upbringing my background was completely like the opposite of what the sort of the dream of Anway sort of you know appealed to like I think I'd sort of grown up sort of looking at sort of my education and everything I was sort of into sort of building up my career um so I had a background in like music and then after that I did a degree in counseling so I had a very much like an ambition for sort of helping other people and reaching out to people and I think what Amway offered to me was basically the opposite of my own personal values yeah it's really interesting um I have heard others are trying to also break a ground if you will in the UK but they're having such a hard time (laughs) and I, I see why I mean one I feel like I, and again, it's the it's cultural differences, but I don't know. I feel like y'all over there can kind of see through their BS maybe a little bit better than we can. <laughs> but no, I'm really excited to to have you here. Um, so gosh, worldwide. How did you get wrapped up into Amway worldwide and, and how did you meet this upline? So I guess like it all started, it was like back in 2021. So I was sort of a place in my life I guess you could say I was feeling quite vulnerable um I was working like a really stressful shift job it basically took over my entire life and um I had quite a lot of anxiety at the time from work and I had quite a strange relationship with my my line manager at the time we actually I met my upline to be on Facebook so we kind of got introduced to each other virtually I can't actually remember whether he added me or I added him. Um, but the connection was that he had some like distant cousins who were like really good family friends of ours. And we met that family like 13 years ago on some camping trip in France. 
and we sort of kept in contact with that family and we kind of met met up with them every other year or so so he reached out to me on Facebook and he just basically sent me a message saying oh I noticed that we have like mutual friends in common how do you know this family like they're like distant cousins of mine and I guess that's how it all started really we just kind of got chatting on Facebook and um, I think at that particular time in life I was maybe feeling quite lonely and I was searching for a bit of a deeper meaning in life and my upline was kind of there for me like he kind of took that active interest in my life um, particularly at a time when maybe I didn't really have much time to sort of make my own connections in life like I was sort of so wrapped up in work that I wasn't able to sort of go out and, and meet people so he was always there for me like took that active interest in, in my life day and almost to like a, an excessive extent like he was contacting me on like different platforms um he was basically sending like huge bouquets of flowers through the post and I guess you know everyone likes to get flowers but it almost felt like too excessive too early on and I guess that was like yeah. the first like that familiarity which didn't seem right at the time but I guess I just brushed it off because I was feeling like I wanted a connection with somebody yeah and it, it always kind of, I mean, it never ceases to amaze me that these people are so bold to reach out to. I mean, they, they're so bold that they'll talk to anybody, but that they reach out to a complete stranger on Facebook. And I mean, that can always be a great thing too. Like, I think that we can make some fantastic connections online. I think the internet has really been able to connect, especially us from different countries and kind of help us branch out and see the good in the world. But then there's also kind of that more, and I'm going to use this word, but it's almost really sinister that this organization can utilize that aspect of life to kind of get their, their tentacles onto people and really just kind of bring them in. And and like you said, there's a lot of love bombing that happened. So you're up fine. We call him Ivan. All of the names of these folks have been changed, but Ivan is a familiar name here on the podcast. And um, his family, they are the ones who are connected to um, Gary and Lizzie. They are the big crown guy's brother. If you guys have been around a while, you know, it's the story. We are sitting on the floor, beards down to here. We found the greatest thing in the world. We are in tears, whatever, right? That's the that's the family. So, and the fact that he reached out to you online, like I said, that it's bold, but it, it's, it's interesting too. Like, do you find that there was a benefit being so far away, kind of in retrospect, thinking about, you know, everything that ended up transpiring? Oh, definitely. I would say there was like a huge benefit for me living in the United Kingdom. Cause it was like when in, in the whole sort of time that we were together, like we were sort of together for a year, but we only basically met up like four times in that year. And I think that was almost a blessing in disguise because I was able to get that distance and that space um, to be able to kind of process what had happened when I was in America with Amway. And in that sense, like maybe I was more fortunate than others because I was able to kind of see right through it. And I never sort of fully immersed myself in in the idea of, of starting up the business. Yeah. So how long did did this did Ivan talk to you for before you found out that he was involved in Amway and Worldwide Dream Builders? So basically it it was we actually spoke like mostly like as friends for like a good part of a year before anything started to get like more romantic in our relationship. Um initially because I didn't really see much point in the 
the connection I just saw it as somebody to talk to I never sort of envisioned it going anywhere I just because obviously like he lived so far away and uh, it just felt like more look more like a pen pal situation so um it was only until like I think it was like July 2022 and we'd sort of been messaging on and off like at points I take like a couple of weeks to a few months to actually get back to one of his messages because I just didn't really see the point in it and then like it was July July 2022 when we started messaging frequently it was like every day and then he proposed that we had like a video call and I guess that was like my first exposure to the business because he started talking about how like he had this sort of family business and he was selling products and like how he was wanting to sort of quit his job at Amazon and you know how he wanted to be financially free and I guess that was like my first exposure to it but at the time I didn't initially think much of it I didn't think that it would literally further down the line it would infiltrate my entire life so um it was kind of very slow moving and I didn't necessarily see it going anywhere at, at the start and then it was sort of agreed that he would visit England for the first time in November so the plan was that he was going to sort of come up for like five days and spend some time with my family but I think one of the red flags that that got to me from a very early stage was his parents involvement in in our relationship which seemed just really unusual because no relationship I'd ever had previously had been that intense so before he arrived in November to visit England for the first time um, his dad let's go by the name of Stuart created like a, a shared album on a, like a family album on iCloud and he he named it Anna and Ivan and he got Ivan to upload photos like couple photos and photos of his trip into this album and that was really strange for me because I felt that pressure to make that relationship work from his parents even though like for me that trip was like an opportunity for me to meet him for the first time to see if I was romantically interested in him and if I wanted to progress the relationship so that early involvement felt quite unusual to me yeah that god that's right that's like I don't like I'm trying to wrap my mind around that because that's that's weird that is not like that's not the norm I swear even with our cultural differences that's not something we do here in the U.S. like my dad keeps a distance like he jokes around with my significant other he'll like give him advice if my boyfriend asks we've also been together for four years like my dad didn't want to meet him until we had been together for like a year just to you know just make sure that things were going to be right right but it within months within like months this is just a few weeks okay this guy this father this steward he created a photo album for the two of you and got his son ivan to upload photos why (laughs) Did, did they ever give you a reason why that was happening no i never found out why or i just sort of saw the red flag and i was like this is just really strange like and that really put that pressure on me because so I was thinking, well, what if I meet this guy and I'm not really into him? But then all of a sudden, because his parents are so involved, and like, not only did they get us to like, what well, got him to put the photos in the album, but they were like literally commenting on every photo that like we had together. And I was just thinking, this is so strange. Like, even my parents, like my parents were quite indifferent to sort of meeting him anyway. But I remember like my mum was saying like we would have never been that involved as they were in in your relationship. That was so suffocating. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
gosh, even couples who I know that are married, their parents, and they've been together for like decades. That is not, that is not the norm. Like, and that's such a strange dynamic too. Like it's like, you're right. It adds that, that pressure there. And I just, I mean, obviously we'll probably never know, but what was the ulterior motive behind that? Like what mindset gave them the idea that this was okay. And I'm looking at their upline, right? They got Gary and Lizzie. These are two very prominent diamonds in the business. Were they aware that this was going on? Is this something that they've co-signed? Is this something that they taught them to do? Like, hey, your son gets a new, even just female friend that could potentially be romantic, might not be. Go ahead and start a photo album with them two together. Get them to put get them to put photos on there, but also make sure to incessantly comment on the photos, even though you barely know this girl. Honestly, like I don't know if they had any involvement with it. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they did. Um, I know that Gary had quite a bit of an involvement in the relationship and he was basically like towards the end of our relationship when things were going downhill he had quite a lot to say about it um and he was like mentoring Ivan about our issues that we were having in the relationship and sort of basically telling him that he needed to focus on the business he should probably hold off on seeing me in the UK because he wanted to sort of focus on like building the business and becoming successful um another sort of strange thing that happened was Ivan, I think this is like when I was in December when I was in America, Ivan explained to me that his dad, Stuart, saved a photograph of me onto his phone because apparently I reminded him of his wife when like she was my age. And that that was so creepy to me. Like, I just don't know how I, I, I didn't take that very well, but I just sort of, I was indifferent to that. I was just like, okay, maybe it's a cultural thing, but I guess his dad's English, so it wasn't really a cultural thing. Uh, no, <laughs> even, even if they were somehow like, I don't know, I don't know that his family, are they from the U.S. originally, or did they like immigrate to the U.S. or did their family somehow immigrate to us? Did you get that far with their lineage? So I know his mom was like Canadian and his dad was from like Southern England. Um, how they met, I have no idea. I can't remember, but, um, yeah, there was like a mixed sort of nationality there. So even if they were full on Americanized, I promise you that's not a thing unless unless they're like weird, which I I can't think of anybody that I know who has done anything like that. But I can imagine that people who are somehow some way very toxic, I could see them doing that. But as far as a cultural thing, I promise that is not we do not co-sign that. We do not do that. That is weird. And I mean, like, I understand wanting to be involved in your child's life. I think that that is so important. I think, you know, knowing what they're doing is important, especially, you know, through those very vulnerable teenage years. But we're talking about a grown adult. We're talking about somebody who is well into their 20s. I think he's almost 30 at this point, right? Like, that's that's not normal for that age group. Yeah, the, their involvement like, was very abnormal. I think like and I'm I'm very close to my parents and I I know for a fact that they would have not even dreamed of getting that involved in 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 my sort of love life or anything like that like that just seemed yeah. really abnormal to me yeah those are some pretty heavy red flags to, to be and that's not speaking to you continuing on I'm just saying like that's so wild to me that these people were okay doing that that they were like and that's just like two red flags that's all and that i'm sure there's so many more but those are very strange and i would love one day to know why the hell they decided that that was a good idea 
but so <laughs> how, like how long had you guys been, been kind of talking? Um, cause I know you said you started talking every single day and then there was this idea that he was going to come visit you. And how did things progress from kind of when he first started talking to you to when you guys made the decision that he was going to visit you and kind of what did, and I know you said that he had sent flowers to you, but the love bombing that was happening during this time, how did that progress? And and really how long did it take for it to get to that romantic point? So I guess we were, we were very platonic for the best part of like a year or a year and a half, mainly because I didn't really see it as anything more than that we were just sort of talking on and off like I remember sort of seeing his messages and I sort of acknowledged that I received the messages but it took me a couple of weeks to a month to just get back to them um just basically because at the back of my mind like I just didn't see it going anywhere so it was only when he proposed this idea like in July last year that you know we should have a video call and then I started to properly freak out and I was like wait a minute this is actually getting serious um so I just I guess I went along with it and I I met him for the first time on Zoom. And I guess like after that initial meeting, uh, I didn't necessarily feel like attracted to him. I don't think in that initial meeting, I didn't really feel like a, I was drawn to him in, in many ways. But I just thought, you know, I kind of built this slow connection with someone. It started off as a friendship. I, I'm quite curious as to see like where it might lead. And then from there on, we kind of did these like weekly calls and then that kind of progressed. And then he started obviously like sending the flowers, sending me like postcards. And every time I got like a bouquet of flowers, I had like a little note attached to it saying like from your American guy. So I guess (laughs) anyone could just get, you know, taken in by that. And it was a flattery. I think it was nice to know that someone was thinking about me. And someone yeah. took an active interest in my life. And I think it was more so that than my initial attraction to Ivan that got me sort of reeled into, into that relationship and that, those dynamics. Yeah. I mean, it feels good to be wanted, especially like you said, you were kind of in this weird place where you didn't love where you were at in your life and in your relationships with your coworkers. Or I think you said your boss was just kind of weird. Like, And it feels good to have an outlet. And that's really what he offered for you. And like you said, he was so interested in your life. He cared. He reached out. He sent you flowers. He he did all these things. And when I'm looking at this timeline, so it seems like once you guys had this initial call, everything just kind of went really fast because the time frame from July to November, just a couple of months. And it's really interesting to look at that because that's exactly how it is. Love bombing just happens. The moment that they realize that there is like a, a connection, this is a lot of narcissistic traits where they've that's where their supply is going to come from. And it happens and it happens like a whirlwind, but it's not like one day you're talking and then the very next day, it's very progressive. And the way that they do it is very manipulative. And um, But I could see why you would have been so interested. And then, you know, by the time you finally knew like, oh, he's got a family business, like no big deal. A lot of families have businesses. And then when he visited you for the first time, what was that whole trip like? I think you had said it was what, just a few days, right? Yeah, it was, it was only about four to five days. They were like really intense days. Like I remember like when I first visited him him at the airport, like we took this first selfie together and like, we had this big hug and he bought me like some gifts because I think he had like a layover in Iceland or something. And then like 
that commitment happened like really fast like I remember like he kissed me at the train station like I, I didn't even have time to realize like did I want to kiss this guy I didn't really know if I had feelings for him it just all happened like really fast and there was that that, that expectation that we were a couple and it was going to work out and stuff and he bought me like gifts I think he bought me some like apple airpods or something like that and it all moved like ridiculously fast I felt this like pressure to sort of like for him to meet my parents and everything and it all kind of felt very much out of my control. I just kind of went along with it. AirPods are a pretty big gift to give somebody that you're just meeting for the first time. But considering his track record of of, of gradually sending you things, that, that checks out as far as like the narcissistic aspect of it. Um, but I think it also does like it, it's it's in, in addition to his parents being so involved, it does add to that pressure because then there's like, oh, well, he did something so nice for me. Like, you know, even though you're maybe your intuition feels that there's something wrong there's almost like that innate want to to be a good person in return which is so sad because I and I think a lot of humans are just kind of naturally guilty of falling into that where like somebody give me something I have to be nice to them I have to stick around even though they might be doing things that I don't like you know I, I want to make them happy because they they did something to make me happy and um that's just another part of of this whole culture of worldwide that's a lot of what they do is they they kind of give you these these favors if you will with the expectation that you are going to return the favor somehow some way yeah and then after this trip so he's there for a few days his parents are getting entangled you guys are I mean he's seeming like he's like trying to be this prince charming which if he was I guess a normal person that would have been fantastic you know we love when people are nice to us and and really have an invested interest in us not vested interest that's the word that they love to use because they have that financial gain from you but when they're invested, it's awesome. And and it when you think about it, that's what most of us just really, really seek. Um, and and after he visited, what was your perspective of him at that point? Like, were you kind of drawn to him more so now that you kind of knew that there was a tangible person? Actually, I had a lot of doubt. There was a lot of things that happened in that trip alone. And I think like you, when people sort of reveal to you their true colors, like, you know, that phrase, you need to just believe in the first time. And I think, that trip itself he very much revealed to me who he was as a person but it's almost like I was so blindsided to that because of all the other aspects of the relationship which felt nice to me so for example like he would mention other girls at the time and I think it felt like really confusing to me because I was like well you've just literally flown across the continent to see me and you're mentioning like this girl at home who like wants to sleep with you and this girl who snapchatted you and you've mentioned like you know we went to this like sky bar together and it was like this really romantic evening we both got all dressed up and he was saying comments like oh there's a lot of eye candy in this room but I only have eyes for you and that felt like really confusing to me because I was like well it feels like you're really into me but at the same time you're like talking about other women and that really sort of set me on edge and it, it did confuse me a lot um and I think it was obviously like his way of like chipping away at, at my self-esteem to get me like more dependent on him and the relationship looking back on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such a, like, that's such a harmful thing to do. And that is a trait of narcissism. Like you said, it's a way to kind of break you down. Now I'm not an expert in narcissists. You guys have just had my experience with a few of them, but you know, my ex did that to me and you're right. It is confusing. Like you want to believe that this guy is fantastic. And, and, and there's 
obviously an ulterior motive behind him saying these things because he didn't have to like when you're when you maybe you do have somebody who's back home who's trying to pursue you but when you're dedicated to another person especially like you said flying to a whole nother continent to see you you know that is a big trip that's a lot of planning that is dedication that's a lot of money like there's so much that goes to that you would imagine that somebody who makes that choice would be kind of quote, I'm going to use one of their words against them all in, but, and, and even if he did have somebody pursuing him back home, he didn't have to tell you that he could have just ignored it and been like, eh, yeah, like that's great. But then to backhand and like compliment you, right? Like he's insulting you by saying there's a lot of really pretty people here, but then to turn it around and say, but I only have eyes for you. Like, I don't, you're right. It is confusing. But it, it it's almost like their way of trying to overemphasize that, sure, there's a lot of people here, but I'm choosing to hang out with you. You are the one who's receiving my time. Yeah, it's like, you should be grateful that I'm paying attention to you or I'm giving you my time, which is seems yeah. obviously quite narcissistic. Yeah. No, that's, uh, it's gross, but you're right. I mean, my ex did the same thing to me and it was very much to break me down and, and, and make me question my, my intuition and to make me tr like, I have to trust what he's saying now, because like he, like I chopped my hair off just to be obnoxious. Cause I, that was my rebellious thing was he never let me cut my hair. And I was at this moment where I was like, F this, I'm cutting my hair. I wanted to cut my hair. So I did. And then it was, see, I really like your hair, but do you see that girl over there who has that really long, pretty hair? Like, I love that. And it's like, but why did you say that? Why did you have to say something? Like, like they'll, they'll you try to you against somebody to make you think there's like competition. So you start doubting yourself and then they have more control over you. Yeah, that's scary. It really is. Like people who can do that and sleep at night, I don't understand like that in itself just kind of it, it makes me feel guilty even just thinking about having that thought and um wow and he did he did he showed you all of this while he was there what was your family's impression of him and because I I know you said you felt a lot of pressure for them to meet yes I think like you know how I sort of mentioned before your family kind of know you best and they know what's right and wrong for you and uh, my mum is quite perceptive in that sense um and she basically told me after she never got like warm vibes from him from the start um <clears throat> she often felt that he was he was quite angry um, my sister noticed that he was talking down to me a lot he was just kind of like putting me down openly in front of my family and that my family mean a lot to me and it was quite humiliating that he was doing that in front of my family because that trip was like a a way for me to say oh this this is this guy that I'm talking to I, I really want him to make a good impression so the fact that he was actively like putting me down in front of my family was quite humiliating and I remember the last day that he was here um my sis I invited my sister because we went to some pub I invited her over because I just wanted her to spend some time with him and sort of get on well with him because that's what you want initially you just want your family to like the person you're with so she was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give him a chance because, you know, you're my sister and, you know, I'm, I'm close to you. So she met him and he was sort of going through some like photos of us together that we'd taken on our trip. And then he literally like zoomed into a photo of me and like outright insulted me in front of my sister. He said, Anna looks dead in this photo. And then my sister literally runs off 
the to the toilet and she throws her guts up. I don't know whether that was in context of what he said, but I think she was feeling a bit nauseous before she arrived. But yeah, and then I, I just basically, I had a, a massive go at him. I said like, oh, I'm so pissed off. Like you've literally been chipping away at me this whole trip. You've been putting me down. Like it's not on. And then he literally burst into tears. And he started like shaking and drooling. And he was like, he was just like, seemed like such a mess. And then I was like, I felt so guilty. I was like, oh my gosh, you're so far away from home. And I've like, I've, I've been horrible to you. And I think that's the way they like, they turn the narrative. Like they treat you like shit. And then they make it a you problem when you actually like call them up on their behavior. Yeah, he turned it around and made himself the victim. Whereas you had every right to tell him like, hey, you're making me uncomfortable. You're like setting this boundary, this standard that you will not tolerate what he's doing. And because he knows that you are not like, <laughs> you're not falling into what he's doing. He has to be the victim some way just to kind of keep you reeled in, which sucks that people are like that. And speaking on, on your sister, like sure, she may have been sick, but I personally believe that it, it, it some people can cause you so much anxiety so much and like these events can cause like in, in your body handles things so differently so it sounds like I'm gonna blame him for that that he caused her so much discomfort that she had she got sick like that's evil oh yeah like I think obviously like I, I didn't think that was the reason but I remember like obviously I was worried about her so I went into the bathroom and I was like puke everywhere and I was like are you all right and she, was, she literally just walked out of the toilet cubicle and she puked a gut and the first thing she said to me was he's not right for you I can just tell he's not the one oh oh my god yeah no he definitely is the cause of that like he he made her physically ill and and that's sad like that is extremely extremely sad but I think it speaks to how much your sister cares about you and um, just because I'm gonna like again I'm sticking with this narrative that this is his fault I like to blame him for things um but when he was leaving like was there any part of you that just wanted to completely like cut him off I would definitely say yeah that was I was very confused um and there was a part of me like you know that rational part of my brain that was literally like you know this guy has you've only been with him for what five days and he's already made you miserable like this is not a good sign for things to come further down the line so I think in my heart of hearts I knew that this situation was wrong and that this person was toxic for my well-being however I think it was like other things that were sort of in that relationship like the the early love bombing and the, the constant attention the battery and his parents involvement that kind of kept me drawn into that that cycle of destruction yeah and that's really unfortunate like you had this want but again like worldwide does they make you question your own intuition like somehow you're not supposed to trust yourself like everything they do is so calculated and at this point like he's done this to so many people I would imagine so many people like I I can't imagine that that you know unfortunately you and Christina are the only two who have had this experience with Ivan but he's done this enough to where it's comfortable for him and that's a nauseating concept that somebody could ever be okay with harming another person. What did it look like when he got home? Like when, when he, when you guys went back to what was maybe normal before you guys were just talking and did you guys kind of just fall back into that talking every single day? Yeah, we just sort of got into that same pattern, I guess, like my attachment styles that I kind of kept going with what was familiar to me. So we kind of kept talking as usual. 
um we shared some photos of the trip and stuff and we were like sharing memories and it was almost like I was overlooking all the negative things and the red flags and I was thinking oh but in this photo we look so happy together and do you remember when we went to the theatre and we saw the Lion King and it was so great and that kind of cognitive dissonance sort of started to happen and we I think because it was it was familiar to me we'd been talking for so long it was like a connection I thought well it's not worth dropping the connection like maybe you know we only saw each other for five days maybe if we next time if we see each other for longer we'll get more of an idea of what it's like to be together so there was a lot of different factors in that that sort of kept me entangled in that in that toxic relationship it just makes me so sad that he was ever like this you know he didn't have to be you know, people and, and I know that there's a lot of different like things that come along with with, you know, these narcissistic traits. Sometimes you're born with them. A lot of the times they're learned behaviors. A lot of it's maybe a coping mechanism for trauma. But after this trip and you guys go back into to talking every single day and you're just kind of still in this in this. Is it so would you call it a relationship or like more of like a situationship? It felt like it was a relationship because there was that commitment. And when he was here in November, like that, that commitment happened really fast and we kind of became official and we, you know, on Facebook and everything. And um, that was a, almost a red flag for me because it was like we were that relationship status happened really fast in that first meeting. When to me, that was just a way for me to see if I wanted to date this person more long term. So, um, yeah, like we kind of just continued. And I think I'd sort of bought a fly out. I can't remember whether it was even before. I'd met him for the first time that I bought this flight out to um, America in, in December. And that it was that trip I was out for like two weeks that I was literally, that was my first proper exposure to Amway and the business. Wow. Yeah. Two whole weeks is a long time to be away from home. And what was that two weeks like for you being here in a whole different country with this, this guy that it sounds like intuitively you're still very unsure about and you had this trip planned which i'm sure was really exciting for you but what was the reality of this two weeks so we had like we had some plans set together so we planned to sort of go to new york together and interestingly enough i think this was like the universe's way of saying do not go to this country like do not not the america's bad country it's a great country but do not go to this family um do not make this decision because i was at the airport in i think it was like boxing day um last year and I got up like super, super early. My dad drove me to the airport and I was literally queuing to get past security for two hours. And then I wasn't, I wasn't even let past security because I didn't have my like visa, my ETSA visa. Um, so I went back home that day and I did everything I could to sort of get it confirmed. And then the next day it was finally confirmed. Like I went back and I nearly didn't get on the second time in a row because she was like, do you have your like COVID certificate? So I think that was basically like the universe saying to me, do not make this trip out this is not yeah gonna be good. wow um, I did get there in the end and uh, we it was like the first day we went to New York we were there for like a couple of nights and that was really confusing to me because I remember like we were exchanging like Christmas presents and we went out to this really like posh restaurant for this meal together and I bought him this like pair of like really nice cufflinks and at the time we were in the hotel room and he'd literally forgotten his cufflinks and I thought it'd be like a really nice surprise to sort of like show him when we got to the restaurant that you know you don't need them because I bought you them um and then like he opened them and the first thing he said to me was like you're a mess and like my heart just sank I, I remember that feeling like it was a horrible feeling I was so excited for him to get those cufflinks and just to have that surprise and that's all he could say and I literally wow. like 
tried so hard to not burst into tears I was I was mortified I was like this is just so confusing I thought you'd be really happy with this gift and you're just calling me a mess why like did he ever give you a reason why was that the like how I have no idea I questioned him about it I told him like you know why did you say that and he just sort of I guess that's when the gaslighting started he said oh you know it's just like an endearing statement like you're my mess and things like that and that that was just so confusing for me because we're in this amazing setting like really romantic we had like champagne and he was like putting me down that's insane like it's so shocking that that this person like actually thinks that that's acceptable. And then there's you who's like a genuine person who like you got him this really nice gift. Been you guys, So you guys were in New York at this point, right? And then how long had you been with him during this trip? Like at what point was this at? Oh, it was only like three days in basically. So we started the trip out in New York. And then um, the idea was that we were going to go back to Delaware to spend like some time with his family and do like a few nice things there. Um, and even I remember like feeling quite upset in that trip in itself because I was obviously like really far away from home um and I guess like even then like I still kept seeing like girls names pop down on his phone um but I couldn't really question it because you know like you just you give you you give excuses for them in the early stages you know you don't want to be that kind of paranoid person I was just like oh you know what he just might have some female friends there's nothing wrong with that but this one particular girl's name kept coming up on his phone. And then it was like, at the end of the trip, I asked him about her and she was like, oh yeah, like, um, we're just really good friends. Like I know her from work and she's, she says nice things about you. And literally it was only like later on disclosed um, in, in the sort of later stages of that relationship that she was actually like messaging him, asking to come over and stuff after we were like official. Wow. Wow. And you flew. So you flew to another continent, a con- continent, continent. You flew to another continent to, to see this person, to give him almost like a second chance at, at, you know, Hey, like maybe the first time was a fluke. Maybe like, you know, you, somehow, some way we kind of, like you said, you already make excuses. So it's, it's this way to kind of like, Oh, maybe it'll be different this time. And it was almost worse because you were there for even longer than he was there when he visited you. You're in this unknown territory with these these unknown people and you're seeing this girl's name pop up and, and you still have time left in your trip to be there and endure that. And how do you feel that you were able to cope with that? Like what kind of helped you get through that? I think I just kind of shut it out, to be honest. I mean, it consumes my thoughts a lot of the trip. I, I kept thinking about it. I just thought, you know what, just you're in you're in America just make the most of the time you're here like you booked this annual leave off work just you know make the most of it just forget about it but it kind of did consume my thoughts and eventually I think it was the last night that was when I confronted him about it but I kind of wish I confronted him about it like earlier to be honest because I, I noticed like you know you just notice these things I think women notice the, these things more than men because we've got that like inner intuition but like yeah. I, I just noticed when we were together, he would be like deleting like chat histories and stuff from like certain girls. Just really shady behaviors that kind of made me feel a bit on edge and sparked like quite a lot of doubts about our his commitment to, in the relationship. Yeah. And that was the second of what you said was four times you you saw him in person? Yeah, the second. Okay. So 
how did you feel leaving? And and what was it like? Your what was your communication like with him after you'd gotten home? So leaving, it was initially I'd stayed like a week longer because I had to get more annual leave off. So I had that sort of pressure to get back to the UK and to log on to work quite early. I had a lot of like negative thoughts when I was sort of on the plane back to the UK. I just knew in my heart of hearts that like this guy was not good news. Um, I should have come back from that trip feeling really sort of upbeat and you know enthusiastic but I just felt the complete opposite and I think also that was that particular trip in December was when I was sort of exposed to the first meeting with Gary and wow. again it was that I, I just felt like the dynamics were really strange in that meeting like it I think Stuart said to me before and they went off into separate room um, Gary might call upon you in in the meeting and just to oh let you know like, he's a multi-millionaire <laughs> so he's gonna he's just he he might uh wow that's so that's demeaning in in itself like like just that whole yeah he might he might want to talk to you and this I mean I'm sure by this point they have probably made Gary out to be like royalty like this guy is the the guy you want to know but then like oh he he might want to he might want to have a conversation with you that's like, am I getting called to the principal's office? Like, do I want to talk to this person? Like, and, and I'm so curious, like when you had met Gary and you said it was a strange interaction, what were your first thoughts of him as a person? And, and what, what was he like? I'm like, as a person, like he was, he seemed like very charismatic and quite a warm person. Like he seemed quite upbeat and everything. He, it seemed like he had quite a lot of influence over over other people. And I think that was like my first red flag. I thought, what, how is this guy? Like, how, how does he have all these followers and these people who are literally like looking up to him as like the Holy Shrine? The dynamics are so strange. I was thinking it's it's weird how everyone sort of treats him like some, some sort of God. Um, and after that meeting, because I think he actually did call upon me in that meeting. And I just basically spoke to him because I'm quite a chatty person in general. So I just spoke to him as, as normal. And then Stuart comes into the room after the meeting and he's like, oh, I'm so amazed at how confident you were speaking to him. Do you not know that he's like a, a multimillionaire? I was like, just another person to me. I, I speak to loads of people every day. Yeah. What's funny is I don't I don't know that he's a multimillionaire the way that they like to portray. I'm pretty sure. Actually, I know for a fact, so I don't even have to say allegedly, there's articles online. Uh, he had to file for bankruptcy and I believe like 2009, 2010. So I, I I don't know that you rebuild your uh, millions in only a decade, but who knows? So, but so it's, it's interesting kind of after the fact, kind of hearing, like knowing that fact and, and knowing more about this and, and kind of seeing it from that perspective. But, but as somebody who had also seen worldwide dream builders, like the club owner and his wife, I had such a high regard for them. Like, like you're right. You're just talking to everyday people. But when you start, like when I was starting to realize like, oh my gosh, like these are such important people and they're having a conversation with me, like this is great. And, and for him to speak to you as normal, you know, that's, that almost in itself kind of adds, adds to the deception because he wants to seem humble. He wants to seem like just a regular everyday ordinary person when in reality, he's trying to get people into his alleged cult. Like it's, yeah. it's so deceptive. It is really deceptive and I think like it's like how the love bombing sort of starts like again like how Ivan took such an active interest in me and my life at the start of our relationship or friendship and with with Gary it was the same dynamics like he seemed like super intrigued by me and I remember on 
communicate like Ivan played me a communicate message that he sent him saying oh I love this new lady in your life she seems really classy I'm really excited to see where this relationship unfolds so again like I have that pressure from Gary for the relationship and I guess the fact that he is so overly involved in the relationship that kind of screams cult to me but at the time like it was like I couldn't put all the pieces together um yeah yeah because I mean I'm trying to think of a situation where this could be a normal interaction like let's say it was somebody's grandfather that you met and they'd send him a text like hey I like her like that's great that would be in my like that's how I could I could see it being justified that like he sent that message um just like oh it's just like a grandparent to him like he like you know is giving his approval but in this situation, the fact that it was done on communicate also adds to that cult-like environment, right? Where he could have sent it in a text message. It could have been a quick phone call. He could have even waited until the next time we saw him in person and be like, hey, I, I really like that girl I just met. Like, you know, how are things going? Kind of a conversation that would, in my opinion, be normal. But communicate adds a whole different level to it that I want people to realize. So communicate is for business, quote, business purposes only. And when you're having that kind of, but they want us to try to use it as if it's like our main form of communication, despite the fact that they do text. But why it's so so different being on communicate is that this is one recorded. This is somebody who can pass this message to other people. It can be, I mean, I know like text messages can be archived and stuff, but this like opens it up to be sent to so many different people as an example of like, this is how you talk to somebody, but it also keeps it in the cult. It keeps it in the business. And, and, ah, oh, gosh, I'm just, I'm so angered by how these people treated you because you're such a nice person. Like, like they take advantage of like just people who just you know, are trying their best to give them the respect that that you feel that they deserved, even though they did not deserve it. But after meeting, you know, Gary, and you finish out your trip, this Ivan guy is an asshole. But I, I also understand staying, I understand, you know, being keeping communication and almost still wanting to give it hope I've been there. So again, no judgment in that regard. But what was it like now the second time you're going back home? Did you guys kind of, again, fall back into that? You're talking every single day. And did you guys plan for your third visit? Yeah, so I basically, like, I get back home and there's, like, a pre-planned letter, like, sent to my home address saying, oh, I just loved our trip together. I love growing with you. I'm really excited for our future. So that was sent even before I got back to the UK with the in mind that I would actually read that when I got home. So that kind of distorted my perception of like what was wrong in the relationship. And then I also arrived home to a gift. I think it was like a hoodie or something, like a Christmas present I got. And again, that kind of manipulative tactic of using gifts and things as like a bribery, like when things were obviously toxic in the relationship to sort of keep me hanging on for the, like the good parts. Yeah. Wow. That That is calculated. That is calculated. I can't for the life of me now after hearing that believe that this guy was not like he was puppeteering this whole situation like he knew what he was doing for him even if it is a compulsive behavior for him to just can't help himself I think it's still wrong like it's horrible to think that this guy is doing this and and he knows the difference between right and wrong I like he has to and all yeah. this this stuff to keep you 
and, and keep you with him because you're right. Like it, it does cause confusion. How are you supposed to now not, like cut this person off after he's made you feel horrible twice, but he's still doing these nice things for you. You know, his love language might be gift giving. They love to use that five languages book to, you know, continue spreading their bullshit. Like, I remember his it, dad ordered it, it, that book to be sent to my home. Oh, address. God. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> oh, God. And we had to, like, oh. read it. <laughs> it's so crazy. Wow. I'm looking back at it all now, it's just, it is really cringe. Wow. Wow. I mean, I'm not, I don't know why I act shocked, but wow. That, oh, that's so strange. Wow. So, Okay. We get back, we get back to the UK. We're going kind of slowly back into normal life. How is your mental health at this point? You've now seen this person twice and the, all this negative stuff, but he's still keeping you reeled in. And, and this is only December. You went there and you met him, like you, you physically, so where you saw him on video in July, you start yeah. like kind of this whole like snowball effect where he's love bombing you and it's progressing very quickly. You see him only a couple of months later in November. He shows you that he's a shitty person, but that he can also twist it into that he's still the good guy. You're seeing him the second time a month later in December. This is such a short period of time. Are you okay at this point? Honestly, I don't think I was. I think I was almost like lying to myself that it was okay. I was definitely like deteriorating with my mental health and it was definitely like a gradual process over the year to the point at the end, like I was rock bottom. But at that point in December, like I was almost slowly giving up as well, like in my personal life and my work. So I was sort of losing motivation with things like he was like consuming all my thoughts with the, the sort of toxic, nice sort of cycle. I was really sort of not putting any effort in work at all. Like, I was getting like complaints at work for my lack of sort of participation and my lack of um, effort I was putting in. And that sort of caused me to get investigated at work, which was obviously like a really highly stressful point of my life as well. Um, yeah. On top of everything else. But I think that was definitely the point that I was sort of slowly starting to give up and everything because the kind of the chipping away at my self-esteem was sort of having that detrimental impact on my ability to sort of, perform normal everyday tasks yeah it really does it, it yeah that's so hard and it and it's still even harder to walk away from something like that when it's it, it like you're right it does it it did not get to that really low low yet and I hate that that happens but it's true we don't leave these toxic times until something is grand enough to like kind of wake our brains up like with a lot of people with worldwide who leave this organization this very same concept where you know for me it was I was broke broke that's why I left I couldn't afford the products anymore and because my pv was not the same my upline they dropped me like a hot potato like it was not hard for them to discard me and for other people it was like insults like Bree she talked about how there was a blatant racism to her partner at a conference and she was like no I'm done like this is ridiculous or some of the other guests like like Christina as well who was like I can't physically tolerate these people anymore this is harming me as a person and it is those really bad things if it it sounds like at this point it's not it's not quite 
there yet, which is, which is okay. Like I said, I totally understand staying. Um, when, how long after that was your guys's third visit? So he, he came to visit me in February and he actually books that trip after he visited in November. So it's like almost the future trips were booked before I could even decide if like I wanted that to go ahead. And <clears throat> again, like all the red flags were there in that trip. Like it was the same kind of treatment that, that was sort of happening. And um, it's interesting, like, and this should have been like a major sign, but every single time he left after a trip, I would just burst into tears. And initially I just thought, oh, I'm just missing him you know these long distance relationships are really hard and that distance is 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 really tricky but like this guy literally made me cry more often than he made me laugh yeah but I, I did the kind of um similar to the way that people kind of look at worldwide did those positive things did you try to make those in your mind outweigh all of the negative like oh no we had such a good time here he gave me this like somehow trying to justify like sticking around absolutely like that was very much the gist of the entire relationship like I just tended to focus on the positives like I paint the relationship out to be like better than it was there was that like cognitive distortion I like look at photographs of us together and memories and I think about like oh remember the day where like we did this together and we had that really nice time when we went out for that meal and it was almost like I was lying to myself because I wanted to believe the best in him and I think that's kind of like who I am as a person like I I'd like to believe the best of people until they kind of prove me wrong. But even when they yeah. do, I see their like true colors, which he obviously revealed quite early on. I just still wanted to believe that there was some good in him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all want to see, you know, good in people, but that just, again, speaks to how good of a person you are in comparison to him. Um, what was this visit in February like and how long was it? So it was, it was about 10 days. So he was here for um so he he sort of visited and we we sort of stayed in London in in the first time like the first time we met in London and then we sort of stayed in the hotel there and then we went back to Nantwich where my parents live and we had a couple of days with them and then we had a couple of nights at the flat where I'm, I'm at now in Didsbury and then after that we sort of went back to London so we we're sort of flitting between different places but again it was like the little things there that kind of got got to me I guess and I think that's when I started to experience like degrading and objectifying comments about me and about women in general which just yeah. absolutely made my skin crawl um for example yeah. like, you just literally walk past like a, a Thai massage place and he'd talk about happy endings just disgusting I'm sorry what yeah like that that was an all like he just everything was just sexual to him all the time like he'd grab me he'd basically treat me like a toy in it was mostly in that trip where he revealed that, but there was obviously like other signs as well. Yeah, of course. But wow. And yeah, that's, that's repulsive and yeah. very invasive. Like it's just, you're right. It makes your skin crawl. It, it just makes you feel icky inside. Like, I feel like that's the, that like, like that's the word that comes to mind is ick. Like, ugh, yeah. like that's so, but like, yeah. Wow. So after this, 10 days how how are you feeling just like really used I guess I guess like that was that was the thing I would sort of amount to like that's how he made me feel I just felt really cheap and used and I think that was his aim that was part of the abuse was to just objectify me as a woman 
and to just make yeah. me feel like that was all I was worth. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And that's, that checks out for, for worldwide. That is, that is the culture that he is immersed in. That's the culture his parents, Gary, Lizzie, like they're all embedded in that concept to them and the way that they preach things. Um, and I know that at a, at, at soon after this, you'll get to the point when, when kind of before we recorded, we were talking about your, your function experience, but this is something that I don't, I like, I would imagine and correct me if I'm wrong, that you didn't really know about worldwide yet that this whole thought process was the whole organization that he was a part of and that it wasn't just him pushing this misogynistic mindset it's quite literally the entire organization oh absolutely yeah and I, I very much feel like his dad was very much a part of that as well like I think a lot of that was like learned behavior from his dad growing up because the way his dad spoke about women and the way he spoke about me the sort of the creepy comments that he sort of said to me really revealed like just how low he thought about women in general that's so disgusting. Um, fast forward to this function. Well, I guess no. Like, what was this interaction between him, with him, between your your February, you know, interaction to this this function? Like, what was that in between? Like, he's now shown you that he is this like overly sexual person who's treating you like an object. Did that um, transfer into your guys' communication? from February to the function absolutely like it it's like from there on then it just started to deteriorate and to get a lot worse to the point where um because obviously like we were doing the long distance thing so a lot of our interaction in between our meetups were like video call so um and this this is even like it's quite triggering to talk about this but I I do want to talk about it because I just kind of want to get it out there but there was a lot of instances from there on where he would like expose himself indecently on video call and the the conversation wouldn't go in that direction like I would never push it in that direction um and obviously like in that sense between a, a long distance couple that would obviously have to be consensual and mutual but it yeah. very much felt like he was literally like saying to me I'm gonna do this and you're just gonna have to go along with it and be okay with it wow I mean Thank you for that vulnerability. I can imagine. I mean, just while I, and people aren't going to see your facial expressions, but just your facial expression, you could tell it was very hard. So thank you so much for, for that added vulnerability and, and being honest about that. That is disgusting. And they, they really do blur the lines with consent here for them. They push books and, and I, there's so many other books, but the only, the one that I think was most prominently disgusting to me was Love and Respect. And I didn't even read that until after the fact. But knowing that this is a book that they're pushing in the business, um, I don't know if you've been able to hear or listen to excerpts about this book, but they quite literally blame the women if the the man has averted eyes, if he has, you know, an affair or, or, or has even any sort of physical interaction with an, like with an outside person, that is the woman's fault. And for him to have this bleed into your relationship and you're not even in the business yet. Like, like, and I'm sure his intention was to get you in the business, but at this point he has this idea that he's getting you into the business. You hadn't even been to a function yet. Like this is stuff that he as an individual is doing 
And there's an entire organization that you've yet to see pushing this narrative where it is sad. And I, and you're right, this is very triggering. And so trigger warning with what I'm about to say, but I speculate and a lot of my guests who have expressed the same things, there's a lot of marital rape that is happening behind closed doors that nobody's talking about that is, is being taught in council sessions to do. And for him, that's very obviously, like you said, something he'd seen growing up. That's something his, his dad is okay with something that Gary is okay with. And now you have to now deal with that long-term in your brain and people like, I, I mean, I hope people are now it's 2023 here, but if anybody out there who's listening might think like, oh, that's not, that's, that is bad. Okay. That is horrible. That is taking away somebody's choice, somebody's consent and taking away their personhood. This is not okay. So again, I'm so glad that you were able to share that so we can emphasize how like actually fucked up that is. Oh yeah. Part of like the way I dealt with it, like, cause it, it basically like became the norm after that. And I think talking to Christina about her experiences, she basically, and it's really sad because this guy is like completely pathological in his pursuit of these indecent activities. But the fact that like, it, it made me sad to, that she said to me, like, I just accepted it in the end as the norm. And I very much felt the same with him and his like sexual behaviors. Um, I just kind of, the way I coped with it mentally was just to completely disassociate from it. And it got to that point where because it was so traumatic to actually deal with that level of like like absolute grossness um I remember just sort of walking out to the shops and I didn't even like feel like I was in my own body it was a really strange experience I felt like I was watching myself from afar like I was I was walking to like the coffee shop but I wasn't I didn't feel like I was in my body walking there as I I know that's a really weird way of saying it but that's kind of how it felt because that was my only way of protecting myself from what he was doing was to sort of shut shut off my brain and my my emotions yeah you kind of have to live in an out-of-body experience to cope with that to go on with your everyday life that you have to live but he made it increasingly difficult and that's a narcissistic thing that's worldwide they make it hard for you to live your everyday life with all of this this built up trauma that they're causing, which is so sad. And again, I'm so sorry that you ever had to deal with this because it is horrendous. And this is why it's so important to talk about worldwide because they all do this. This is not uncommon. And and again, you hadn't even known this yet. And so throughout this time, you're now disassociating from who you are as a person, your mental health, it sounds like is is declining. And then we get to the function where you travel to Vegas how long were you there and what was this interaction like? Like, like, I guess we could kind of break it down with, you know, what was it like when you first got there and then your experience with this family? How was that? Yeah. So how, how it all sort of happened. So um, the context leading up to me going to the first function was that I, I basically resigned from my job in March. And so um, Stuart basically suggested that I go to America for a, a couple of months just to dog sit and to look after the house because I know they were going on to visit their daughter in a different country or something. So initially at the time I thought, well, I'm not working. I've not really got any direction in my life at the moment. So I guess maybe I was feeling maybe like trauma bonded and attached to Ivan at the time. So I just thought, you know what, I'm going to spend some time with him. Um, maybe we can work things out in, in our relationship. 
so I, I flew to America, uh, bought bought my ticket outright, and I just that was the longest time I spent there, and that was my the biggest exposure I had to the business, and that's how I sort of went to the first function. So um, initially, I just thought it was going to be a bit of a holiday. I was just going to visit Las Vegas. I was I was quite excited about it to be honest. And then like when I got there, it was just very off vibes. I think this was definitely like a cult eating. There was like this sort of sense that the people who were sort of made it big in the business were sort of on the stage and they were sort of telling their rags to riches story. They were like, oh, if we can do it, you can do it. You've just got to believe. You've got to cut out negativity and just have this positive attitude and you can all become like rich and successful. But I tell you what, what really got to me was like the enthusiasm and the reaction of the crowds, which seemed like, I don't know, just I, I got this really weird gut feeling about, about yeah. it all. And um, it, it definitely felt like, I, I think we we listened to a speech by John Maxwell. I think he was like a, I don't know, some preacher or some pastor. Yep. And um, basically he was love bombing us all. He was like, we love you all. God wants you to be rich and successful. You got to buy my book. <laughs> that was an incredibly stressful time for me because not only was I sort of immersed in, in that, and I just hadn't even had time to process what on earth of a messed up situation I got myself into. But on the other hand, wow. I got a phone call from my mum at the time um, to say that my dad was in hospital with um, complications with like his heart, but we didn't exactly have like the details of what was going on with him. So obviously that was a really stressful time. And I felt so helpless in that situation because I was so far away from home and I just didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if I was ever going to see him again. I didn't know how serious his condition was. So I just remember like texting Ivan because he was in the conference. And I was just outside at the stadium and I said, can you just please come out? Like I've had some really upsetting, upsetting news. Um, so he came out and then like basically said, you know, you'll probably feel like better if you come back in and just listen to the talk. Like you might miss out on some like important, important information for the business. And I felt like he completely drove my attention away from that and disregarded my emotions and my anxiety about my dad's health and made it all about the business. Wow. Yeah. And it's pushing again, that toxic positive narrative. And and you said it perfectly before we started recording. You're like, you're not allowed to be unwell. You're not allowed to have negative emotions. You're not allowed to feel, which is so unnatural. Like you have to do a lot of brainwashing to have somebody stop feeling negative. And for him to just see you, you got horrible news like at this period of time that was what I would imagine like one of the worst pieces of news that you could have ever received especially being so far from home and then he's like no just just go to the function you'll be fine that is so worldwide that is so their narrative and did you end up going back into the function and and how did you cope with that I think I just yeah I, I ended up going back into the function I think I always had the the worry and the stress of my dad in the back of my mind but I just at the time it was a bit of a distraction for me and I just sort of focused on that and it was just a really toxic situation because it was like I was forced to sit through like hours and hours of, of these talks I just had this like shocking news and I, what really upset me was like 
the fact that I just thought he was just completely diminishing like my concerns and like just driving that kind of separation between me and my family and I just thought this I'm with this guy and I'm, I'm so far away from home and he just doesn't give a shit and that that's when it really hit me that's so devastating so after the function's over like what is your plan was was your plan to kind of figure out a way to get home and and how did his parents respond because I would imagine you probably interacted with them at some point yeah so his parents um they picked us up after the function um and I think we made some sort of like hate recording about like how we found it and obviously like that that was the last thing I felt like doing at the time so we got we got in the car and we were driving back to the hotel and Stuart turns around in the car and he's like questioning me about the conference saying like oh what three things did you learn from today and then I was just like really open with him because at, at this point, Ivan hadn't even told his parents about like my dad or anything that happened. So I had to tell them myself. And I li- wow. I was very open with him. I just basically said, look, um, I appreciate that you've taken me to this this conference and everything, but I'm, I'm just really not focusing on this right now because I've got a lot of worries about my dad in hospital. And then he just outright like wow. goes, he literally said, oh, well, he's getting old now, isn't he? so what will be will be and I just that was like for me that was like my breaking point I was like what on earth is going on right now like I've just literally told you that my dad is in the hospital with like a serious heart condition and that's what you got to say I just am lost for words that this is their response and how did you take that that this is how they were they're diminishing your feelings there it sounds like they're essentially like like you're being dramatic is essentially what they're saying basically yeah I just I remember going back to the hotel and I think we're gonna go out for dinner that evening but I just shut myself off in my room I just went straight to my phone and I started texting my mum my sister and I I was didn't want to alarm them or anything because obviously like they were dealing with the news of my dad but I basically texted yeah. my sister saying don't want to cause any additional stress here but I feel like I might be in a cult right now and um they were like oh, what, what's the name and I was like oh it's Amway so they basically like did their research and they were like you really need to just get home right now we're really worried wow about yeah and and you're right that that I mean they had to have done research and it's interesting because like here in the U.S. and I would I would imagine it's probably becoming increasing in Canada as well but like our parents know about Amway like the moment I told my father <clears throat> it was Amway he said that like that's not good because he had an exposure to Amway he had a couple of different people try to get him into Amway now there's no real saying like what tools business that they were a part of like whether it was Amway LTD URA etc but it was Amway regardless and a lot of parents and that's why they they have that precursor of like oh well your parents are going to say something bad because Amway's been around a long time and a lot of the elders here in the U.S. have had some sort of experience one way or another with the Amway Corporation. And for you, you had no idea what this even was. Like Amway was a whole new concept to you and your parents had to do research. And I can imagine the things that they had seen because they didn't have that bias of don't go to this source, go to this source. Like there's a lot of stories out there. And when they had told that 
to you, was that kind of confirming you're like, oh no, this is bad, bad. Like this is a cult. And, and did you ever bring that up to Ivan or his parents? I did actually. Yeah. So, um, the first thing I did was like, I went on the Amway website and there's literally a whole page on like, is Amway a pyramid scheme or a cult? And that, that in itself is a red flag. The fact that they have to have a page on their site to say that because so many people have obviously accused them of being a cult, which they are. So I remember the next day, like I had a lot of doubts about it all. So I approached Ivan and I said, like, I'm just a bit concerned that this is a cult. And then he was basically like, reciting all these facts to me as to why it wasn't and then I basically told him I said I just don't really know 100% if I want to be involved in this and he basically like just again he diminished that he said well fine I'll, I'll I'll have all the money if if I'm successful from this you can just sit back and I'll I'll take all the money oh my god they really do say stupid shit like that they really do though it's baffling that that this is how it is but now that you've been to a function at this point I'm sure you see that this is not just Ivan and his parents who are this way. It's this entire arena, especially these like leaders who are looked up to. And like you said, praised as if they were gods. And I think that you had a really good point too, when you said the um, things that you'd seen that the interaction from the crowd, the very intense response to the speakers. You are so right. Like that is, it is, it's, we had to, we were quite literally coached. So as a perspective of somebody who was in the business and, and going to this function, we were coached in these uh, meetings called nuts and bolts on how we had to, how our intensity had to be. We were quite literally given trainings on if somebody says a joke, I don't care if you've heard it 10,000 times, you need to laugh as if, if it's the first time you've heard it, you need to clap, you need to like, it's encouraged to like hoot and holler and like just be as enthusiastic because you want to offer quote a a sponsoring environment because the idea is that you have to continue quote re-sponsoring your peers you have to show them that this is the right thing to do but then also to the newest person they want the newest person to believe that we are all but nothing but blessed by this cult and for you to kind of see past that and have that in the back of your head, that is fantastic that you saw it that way, but it's by design that they do that. But I think even more so in this whole function experience, the way that Ivan and his family treated you when you were going through such a hard time, it angers me for you. So how long did you stay after this? So I actually, and I, looking back on this, I don't know why I actually stayed for as long as I did, but I just, I continued the trip we had a couple of days sort of sightseeing in, in Las Vegas and then we went back to Delaware and I, I just remember sleeping for about 14 hours because I had so much in my head to process and I think that kind of element of that sleep deprivation is part of the the mind control and the coercion that happens in, in, in these cults um, and I just remember like the entire time like I was just absolutely exhausted like we had to get up really early for the next talk and like the the seminars like finished really late at night like I was quite I was starving hungry because there was not many opportunities to actually go and get food so I guess all these things I put together would make someone more sort of suggestible to sort of mind control wow yeah so how long were you there in total it was about a week maybe a week to 10 10 days no it was probably about a week I think Wow. So they had this expectation that you were going to be there for a month, not by any fault of your own. A week was all you could take. 
Like that's, that was the breaking point for, I cannot fucking stay here for another month. Like I can't imagine, like, did you kind of look at that after the fact and be like, how was I ever going to stay here for an entire month, let alone multiple months? I look back and I think like, how did I survive that long in, in that environment? And I think maybe I must be quite a resilient person to actually go through that and just to stick stick around for it but I think maybe that's part of like the disassociation that I went through where I kind of just shut off from it and I just sort of a bit like what was happening with the abuse before I, I got there I was just sort of disassociated from, from it just to kind of survive and then I ended up staying there with him and he went back to work and I sort of just stayed in the house things like that and I, I just didn't really do much and then I, I noticed that like Gary sort of arrived in Delaware to give like second look meetings and things like that and so it was like almost like not only were we away from all that but it kind of followed us and we still had to, that obligation to sort of attend these really late night zoom meetings and to, to go to these events so it was all kind of wrapped up in that and that's kind of that trip itself was when I was most exposed to the business wow so what were what was it like seeing those those other meetings was it just kind of confirming your your doubt and and like no this is like a cult this is not good yeah I definitely got those vibes like everyone I spoke to like everyone was perfectly nice but I just kind of got this impression that people just weren't themselves and they sort of seemed a bit spaced out like almost brainwashed in a sense and like I remember speaking to this lady she was really nice but she just seemed a bit far away and she was like, oh, we're so lucky to have this amazing opportunity. And I'm just so excited for the future and what's, what's going to happen. And can't wait to quit my nine to five job. And it was all the same. And I just, I think part of it was I always saw right through it. I was never sort of immersed in that business. And I never sort of participated actively in it. I just sort of went along with it. Yeah. But I think the thing was, 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 oh, sorry. Go ahead, sorry. His parents were, that was, I think that was a plan all along to sort of get me in that and like kind of put me in that box and say this is what you're going to do you're going to be his wife and you're going to support him in the business it's so like it's it it really is the way that they do things though like all of this it just checks out like this is exactly what worldwide does and I can't speak to a similar situation of being with a partner or or even the upline an upline partner or somebody who's already in the business like I think that adds perspective because that's baffling to me. Like I was, I entered in on my own volition without this idea of a romantic partnership. Like it was just somebody, somebody who kind of played upon my personal weaknesses, but I can imagine that added impact of you're already struggling to try to make this relationship work as just a relationship. And now they're trying to throw you into a cult as well. But then like they're making you believe that this is all you're resor resorted to. You have, you are educated and not to say that like degrees are the only way to be educated. I just want to want to say that out there, but you are an educated person. You have this idea of what you want to do. You went and got a degree for something that you're passionate about and you want to actually help people, which they do not. Um, but they're telling you that all you get to do is just be a wife and and you have to support him regardless of what he does. And that to me shows that they, one, don't give a fuck about women, but two, that they already had this preconceived notion about who you were going to be long before I think you even had an idea that that was who they were. Definitely, yes. And I felt like that's 
how I've sort of lost all my sort of sense of autonomy in in that relationship to the point where at the end of the relationship I literally just forgot who I was I didn't have any ambitions or dreams I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life I just became a complete shell of who I was and, and my family really picked up on that and it was like I think when I properly deteriorated with my mental health was when I got back to England and the abuse was getting worse and it was all sort of virtual abuse but it was still so insidious in the sense that I just massively declined and I lost a sense of like who Anna was and what I wanted from life and it was scary how fast it happened from from there on and I just completely became a different person I didn't even recognize wow and that was from July of 2022 and we're only talking about the beginning of the year so if you guys did not catch on this is like recent recent um so again like honestly like round of applause to you for having the strength to you know be able to bravely come on here even just a few months later but so after this function, and like you said, you kind of just essentially broke down as soon as you got home. I, I think that you were in the right place when you broke down, like you were in your comfortable zone, like you could break down and somebody and some sort of support was going to be there for you. So I'm glad that it happened so close to your family. Um, and how much longer after I would imagine this was what probably March or April um, when this had happened and and how much longer were you in communication with Ivan after this so I got home it was like in May early May um, the idea was that I was going to get home and sort of go to a job interview so I could get a job in the UK um, and then the idea was that I was supposed to go out for a wedding in Canada in July which never happened um, so we were basically in communication from May till about mid-August and I finally ended the relationship in like the last week of August I would say um, that so it's was been just yeah it's only as weeks ago like that is that is that is so so recent what was it do you feel that really kind of opened your eyes to I need to get the hell away from this guy and um that was, I mean, it takes a lot of bravery to be able to do that and a lot of strength. And what was your support system through leaving him? So I think the red flags were that I, I literally became so estranged from like my friends and family. It's almost like I'd just given up. Um, and like, I was feeling just at the worst place in my life with my mental health. Like I, I was having panic attacks at night. I couldn't get out of bed and because basically with the control he'd isolated me from my support system so I would be like really struggling and I felt like the only person I could essentially reach out to would be him and that was when he sort of got me set up with Amway in the UK um, and he sort of pressurised me to go out into the streets and compliment people and market the products um, and at the same time like there was a lot of, of control in that, like he was tracking my location. So I didn't even feel comfortable like going out because I knew he was like looking where I was. He was literally calling me four to five times a day. He was obsessively texting me. He was literally keeping tabs on me, even though he was in a completely different country. I just felt like I couldn't even be me anymore. And it was, the, the amount of control was absolutely crazy. But with all that incessant communication, um, kind of looking back now, do you think that he started to feel your, re your, um, 
kind of distancing yourself and, and maybe that thinking that he needed to double down on it so he could keep you around? Do you think he kind of recognized that maybe you were on your way out? I think so yeah I think it was it was obvious because of the trip like we had a lot of arguments in that trip like uh, and then it was almost like I, I couldn't tell whether he was pushing me away towards the end because like he would literally call me just to tell me that he'd invited like some girl to the gym with him and then like wow I would be like well I'm kind of like not okay with that because that kind of violates our boundaries in, in our relationship about what's acceptable and what's not and then he would like gaslight me and turn it around and say I just feel like you you're so insecure you can't let me be friends with like other girls and stuff and my resources just just go to the gym with her I I literally don't care anymore just go do do your thing I just I think he was almost like trying tactics to like push me away as well um it was just things were going like really downhill and that's like around the time when I reached out to Christina and I just sort of asked her about her experiences and I think that almost empowered me to sort of get one step closer to actually ending the relationship and um my family were very concerned about me um my mum particularly like she was constantly texting me and she was like on my gates and she was like we're really worried about you like um we're worried that you're gonna get drawn up into this cult and we would you know we can't make that decision for you but just to let you know we're here to support you whatever you decide and you know, we just ultimately, we just want you to be okay. And we can see that you're absolutely not okay. Wow. That's amazing that they like, that they, they offered you the out, right? You don't have to do this. We don't want you to do this. But if you do, like, they're very fragile about it. And I love that because sometimes I think as, as parents, as, as a parent myself, like we want to kind of, you feel like, please don't do this. Like, you know, it's almost in an overbearing way, but it sounds like your parents were, were fantastic and, and they weren't going to give up on you. They were absolutely going to make sure that they were going to help you make whatever decision was going to keep you safe. Um, And I I love that, that they did that. After kind of that conversation, like what did that do for you in terms of finally deciding I'm done with Ivan? So it took a couple of times, and I think that's very common in these types of relationships. It took a couple of times before I literally said, right, I'm officially done. I'm out. Yeah. And the first time it happened was in May. I think it was May sorry no it was in June um I went on a family holiday to Wales and I basically it got to the point where and my sister said this to me she said there was literally not one week that he didn't upset you and basically like I reached breaking point yet again and I said sent him a text saying like I'm not happy at the moment with things between us I just need some space to to decide like whether or not this relationship is, is okay for me and I want to continue being with you and then I was quite surprised that he honoured my request to have that space and he he didn't contact me the entire time. And then by the time I got back in contact with him, he very much turned the narrative and he made it like a me problem. He was like basically saying the way you went about that was really wrong. And I was so worried that you were going to break up with me that I got two speeding tickets. I drank to oblivion. I engaged in this like boxing competition and I just almost felt like me asking for space was like wrong. Um, and then I don't know what it's like in in America obviously they have the gun culture in America but that I think being around guns and everything was something really alien to me but he definitely used the guns in the relationships as like an intimidation tactic so wait what yeah so he had um 
his parents like had access to like guns and stuff and they had like a gun safe and they went kind of like shooting and stuff I was never sort of comfortable with the idea of actually going shooting it was very for sure new concept to me but I think it was his attitude to firearms and guns that just kind of freaked me out it's scary but for him to talk about that incessantly and be as toxic as he is that is actually dangerous I am so sorry I think it's just like um it I the reason I understood it was like basically like intimidation tactics like so we we kind of got back in communication after I asked for space and it was just like really random how it happened like it, I, I kind of knew looking back at it it was definitely like intentional but he basically got a, like a massive gun out he said this is really annoying fox in the garden I'm just gonna shoot it dead so he positioned like the video camera so I could actually see him doing that and he knows how much I love animals like I had I had a dog I, I was obsessed with my dog like I loved him more than anything else like I have I have cats I, I grew up around animals yeah and to do that almost felt like a threatening thing to because he was like angry that I asked for space so he was gonna like punish me by like getting a gun out and shooting an animal so I could actually see it happening like that that just didn't sit well with me at all that's not normal that's not okay that is actually fucked up that's fucked up and i think you're absolutely right to think the way that you do that's not normal to go find an animal that is doing him no harm and just and do this in a way so you could see it there is something so fucking sinister about that like this guy is actually not okay like this is the guy who should not have a gun like that's scary that actually like makes me think of some serial killer shit like I think we were this is like where I after the after the convention in, in Las Vegas and um we just went into a supermarket because um I think Gary was in Delaware and we basically were told to go to the supermarket to get like decorations because it was his birthday and we had to decorate his hotel room with like birthday banners and things like that for his arrival yeah and like a big fruit basket we were just in the supermarket and he always used to carry his gun like on his hip and he'd go into like shops and supermarkets with that like arms um and like I just sort of branch off and just go look around and then I come back and we're sort of checking out the cashiers like absolutely in tears and apparently like a woman and her two young kids like saw him with the gun and they ran out the shop and they complained about it to the cashiers and there's a man here in the shop who's armed and we don't feel safe and so we went up to Kashir, he was absolutely distraught. And he goes up to Ivan, he says, are you the man with the gun? And he's like, yeah, that's me. Is there a problem? And he's like, are you security? Um, is there any reason why you feel like you need to have a gun in, in like this small supermarket in, in Delaware? And he was like, oh, just, just like to have it on me just for protection. And then this man is like a fully grown man who's crying. And he literally goes up to the man and says, have you tried being positive have you tried not being upset about this it was just bizarre and then we get out of the shop and we get back on his motorbike and he just basically saying oh you should have seen this woman's reaction when she saw my gun and ran out with the kids it's hilarious and that's when I thought this guy is inhumane (laughs) to think that yeah like if somebody was uncomfortable with that concept they don't have to be comfortable with that I don't care what the law says 
if you're a good person, you'd be like, oh shit, like I am so sorry. I This is a habit for me. Like I'm going to go put it back in my car. I apologize. I was never intending to, to scare anybody. You know what I mean? Like that, that's at the very least how you can be a good human about it. And the idea of, of, of a family being terrified, like there's something that scared the hell out of them and there's a reason for it. And he thought it was funny. Like there, okay, I'm going to admit there really are some fucking assholes out there who, who think like that. That is a stereotypical American thing. And I'm so sorry that that's a thing. It's not all of us, I promise. But dear Lord, that is sinister as fuck. Yeah, definitely. And it was just, I had that moment of realization on the way back home and I was just thinking like this situation really doesn't feel right to me like I just no. good about this um wow it kind of my values as a as a counselor like I don't see myself going around scaring people in public for kids no not at all like that's you ought to be a special kind of fucked up to think that that's funny like like I said I know that there's that is a thing here and there are people who are guilty of thinking like that and um that fucking sucks and I hate those people to be honest but after that experience and going back home, you're hearing all of these things. What was the final straw for you? Like when were you like, you know what, fuck this, I am out. Final straw was like, basically, I think it had to get to the point where I had reached rock bottom and my family were just saying to me, you need to go and speak to your doctor right now. We're really worried about you. Um, yeah. And I just couldn't, I couldn't even face getting up in the, in, in the day. I couldn't, all I was doing, I was just sleeping all the time. I was disassociating. I was just mentally at my lowest point I've ever been in my life. And I just thought, I need to get some support now. This, this, this can't go on. It's just going to yeah. get worse. So actually I reached out to my doctor. I had like a long chat with her and she referred me to some like domestic abuse services. She was actually really helpful. She put me on some medication um to help with my like low mood and anxiety and I think was it not for sort of taking that medication that really kind of like helped lift my anxiety and to sort of yeah. help give me the courage to finally end that relationship with Ivan um and I spent like all my days just reaching out to to friends and family spoke to like victim support domestic abuse service I like had like two hour conversations about it and everyone was saying the same thing like they were like you've been the victim of crime for your own safety, you just need to get out of this relationship. And that's wow. when it kind of dawned on me. I just thought, I've just got to do this now. It's going to be really hard, but I'm, I'm just yeah. going to have to get myself out because it's only going to get worse. Yeah, good for you. Um, and I'm I'm so glad that you took their advice this time. And you're like, you know what? I have to do this. Like for myself, for my, like for, for your future, for who you, who Anna is and, and for your like internal self. Like I'm so proud of you for leaving. Ivan and his family are evil. Like they are actually evil people. And this just kind of confirms that, that that word is, I don't even feel strong enough for how they are as humans, but wow. What a hell of a story. Like, I think that this is very valuable just in the sense that I hope this helps people realize like you cannot defend these people. You can't sit there and think oh, that one person who is in worldwide and, and is still pushing this narrative is okay. You know, I, I I wanted to think that there were some good people who were still in there, like like cross line who are still there and, and they had done me no wrong, but they're co-signing this shit. And maybe they don't realize that they're co-signing it, 
because they're not directly impacted by it. But by staying in the organization, they're saying that everything that Ivan did is okay. And that is what I'm sure keeps him going on his very destructive path. And it's not destructive for himself. It's destructive for others. And it's just yeah. so fucked up. Like, wow. Are, are you okay right now? Oh, no, absolutely. Like I've, I've doing so great. Like in the sense it's like, I thought this would take a while to sort of like build myself up, but it's amazing. Like, I mean, I've been out of the relationship now for what, five weeks and I can't even describe to you like the difference I feel. Like I've never felt more like myself. Like I've regained who I am as a person and that is so valuable. And I wouldn't be where I am right now if it wasn't for that kind of support I had and reaching out to people like Christina and your podcast and, and the domestic abuse services and like the help I had from like family and friends like I just I've not looked back since I left him and I thought it, it can only get better from here yeah wow that's powerful it is and um and so you're a counselor now like you are now like in this career path that you had wanted to be a part of and how is that for you kind of looking back now that that maybe you know imagining somebody coming to you with a similar story like how is that outside perspective as a counselor I think my experience in sort of being drawn into a multi multi-level marketing scheme and, and a cult and, and being in that abusive relationship has really given me that proper insight to be able to fully empathize and to draw myself into people's experiences maybe like potential future clients I see who may be in uh, sort of controlling relationships or have been reeled into cults to have that direct experience with that myself will uh, sort of allow me to sort of understand things very much from their perspective and to yeah. offer offer my support from from my own experiences yeah I'm glad to hear you're okay. And and everything with your dad um was fine, right? I think we talked yeah. about that before. Yeah, thankfully he's he's great now. He's doing well. Awesome. Awesome. We'd love to hear that. Um, well, I'm proud of you. I'm so grateful that you came and shared two almost two hours with me and just this <laughs> recording, which is totally fine. <laughs> you know, sometimes the story needs to be told and it's long. And hey, we love a good long episode. So um if there's one last thing that you could leave the listeners with, what what would it be? I guess just to help empower people to sort of speak out about abuse and, um, you know, to, to let them know that if you get yourself into these situations, it's not your fault. It can happen to anybody. And, you know, there's help out there and you can get yourself out and it's never too late. I think that's what I sort of tell people from my experience. Thank you. And thanks for not viewing all of us Americans the same way you do him, because I promise we're not all the same. Oh, no, no. <laughs> like, I, I obviously, like, I, I really want to come back and, and actually sort of experience it for, you know, visit different places and actually go back. And I think it will be so different when I'm when, when I'm there again. And um, it's definitely not put me off to say that. Awesome. Yay. <laughs> Well, thank you again. I, I cannot thank you enough for your time, for sharing your story, for your vulnerability, for your honesty. I think that, I think you're going to be a great counselor. Like you are somebody already that I'm like, oh, I'm getting a lot of this. It's very therapeutic. <laughs> but I think that it also will hopefully show more and more people that they can come and they can share their stories. And and I hope that I have I can continue to hopefully make this a safe environment where people feel comfortable because that's my biggest goal. You know, when we were in worldwide, when we're in these relationships, we are suppressed. We don't have a voice. And that is, I think, my biggest goal is to give people a voice because if we can hopefully get 
to be loud enough, maybe we can help at least one person, maybe not join, or maybe one person, you know, recognize the red flag from a partner and be like, you know what, I'm done or, or even not get into that relationship. Um, but I appreciate your time. And, uh, if you guys are out there and you guys are like Anna and you want to share your story, please DM me on Instagram at xsnt.podcast. You can find me at xsnt.podcast on all of the platforms. You guys can find the podcast where, you know, where you can stream podcasts. So thank you so much, Anna. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for letting me share my story today. Really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. All right, everybody. We'll catch you in the next episode.